How the Camel Got His Hump Just So Stories by Rudyard Kipling This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org How the Camel Got His Hump Now, this is the next tale and it tells how the camel got his big hump. In the beginning of years, when the world was so new and all, and the animals were just beginning to work for man, there was a camel, and he lived in the middle of a howling desert because he did not want to work. And besides, he was a howler himself. So he ate sticks and thorns and tamarisks and milkweed and prickles and most excruciatingly idle. And when anyone spoke to him, he said, Humph! Just humph! And no more. Presently, the horse came to him on Monday morning with a saddle on his back and a bit in his mouth and said, Camel! Oh, camel! Come out and trot like the rest of us. Humph! said the camel. And the horse went away and told the man. Presently, the dog came to him with a stick in his mouth and said, Camel! Oh, camel! Come and fetch and carry like the rest of us. Humph! said the camel. And the dog went away and told the man. Presently, the ox came to him with the yoke on his neck and said, Camel, oh camel, come and plough like the rest of us. Humph! said the camel. And the ox went away and told the man. At the end of the day, the man called the horse and the dog and the ox together and said, Three, oh three, I'm very sorry for you, with the world so new and all. But that humph thing in the desert can't work, or he would have been here by now. So I'm going to leave him alone, and you must work double time to make up for it. That made the three very angry, with the world so new and all. And they held a palaver, and an indaba, and a panchayat, and a pow-wow on the edge of the desert. And the camel came chewing on milkweed, most excruciating idol and laughed at them. Then he said, <laughs> and went away again. Presently, there came along the jinn in charge of all deserts, rolling in a cloud of dust. Jinns always travel that way because it is magic. And he stopped to palaver and pow-wow with the three. Jinn of all deserts, said the horse. Is it right for anyone to be idle with the world so new and all? Certainly not, said the jinn. Well, said the horse, there's a thing in the middle of your howling desert. And he's a howler himself, with long neck and long legs, and he hasn't done a stroke of work since Monday morning. He won't trot. Woo, said the jinn, whistling. That's my camel for all the gold in Arabia. What does he say about it? He says, humph, said the dog, and he won't fetch and carry. Does he say anything else? Only humph, and he won't plough, said the ox. Very good, said the jinn. I'll humph him, if you will kindly wait a minute. The jinn rolled himself up in his dust cloak and took a bearing across the desert, and found the camel, most excruciatingly idle, looking at his own reflection in a pool of water. My long and bubbling friend, said the jinn, What's this I hear of your doing no work with the world so new and all? Humph, said the camel. The jinn sat down with his chin in his hand 
and began to think a great magic. But the camel looked at his own reflection in the pool of water. You've given the three extra work ever since Monday morning, all account of your excruciating idleness, said the jinn. And he went on thinking magics with his chin in his hand. Humph, said the camel. I wouldn't say that again if I were you, said the jinn. You might say it once too often. Bubbles, I want you to work. And the camel said, Humph, again. But no sooner has he said that than he saw his own back that he was so proud of, puffing up and puffing up into a great, big, lolloping humph. Do you see that? said the jinn. That's your very own humph that you've brought upon your very own self by not working. Today is Thursday and you've done no work since Monday when the work began. Now you are going to work. How can I? said the camel with this humph on my back. That's made a purpose, said the jinn. All because you missed those three days. You will be able to work now for three days without eating because you can live on your humph. And don't you say, I never did anything for you. Come out of the desert and go to the tree and behave. Humph yourself. And the camel humphed himself, humph and all, and went away to join the tree. And from that day, this the camel always wears a humph. We call it a hump now, not to hurt his feelings. But he has never yet caught up with the three days that he missed at the beginning of the world. And he has never yet learned how to behave. The camel's hump is an ugly lump, which well you may see at the zoo. But uglier yet is the hump we get from having too little to do. Kiddies and grown-ups too, ooh-ooh. If we don't have enough to do, ooh-ooh, we get the lump, camelicious hump, the hump that is black and blue. We climb out of bed with a frowsly head and a snarly, yarly voice. We shiver and scowl and we grunt and we growl at our bath and our boots and our toys. And there ought to be a corner for me, and I know there is one for you, when we get the hump, the camelicious hump, the hump that is black and blue. The cure for this ill is not to sit still or froust with a book by the fire, but to take a large hoe and a shovel also and dig till you gently perspire. And then you will find that the sun and the wind and the gin of the garden too have lifted the hump, the horrible hump, the hump that is black and blue. I get it as well as you, ooh-ooh. If I haven't enough to do, ooh-ooh, we all get the hump, camelicious hump, kiddies and grown-ups too. End of How the Camel Got His Hump from Just So Stories by Rudyard Kipling